Hello and welcome to episode 6 of The Amp, the regular podcast from Ampere Analysis bringing you the latest business insights, talking points and research from industry experts in the global media landscape. In this episode, Research Director Richard Broughton is joined by two members of Ampere's content markets team, Research Manager Daniel Gadher and Senior Analyst Hannah Walsh. They discuss some of the latest Q1 results that have been published by many of the world's largest media companies over the past week. Richard is then joined by analyst Alice Thorpe, who sheds light on how production activity is aiming to meet consumer demand during lockdown, with a particular focus on German commissioning. You can subscribe to The Amp on Acast or find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. To keep up to date with the latest industry analysis, stay ahead of the curve with The Amp Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's AMP podcast. This is Richard Broughton and I'm going to be talking today to some of the team about what's been going on in the world of TV. First up, we'll have Daniel Gadher and Hannah Walsh who are going to be discussing some of the latest Q1 results from some of the biggest media companies worldwide. And then I'm going to be talking to Alice Thorpe about some of the research she's been doing around how German broadcasters and commissioners have been coping with the current issues in the production sector caused by lockdown. So first up, Daniel and Hannah, you've both been looking at some of the latest results from many of the world's largest media companies. Um, Who have you been looking at? Who's been publishing over the last week? So from my side, uh, I've been focusing around some of the largest US operators. So we've had AT&T and Comcast, who are business lines across uh, both networks, but also fixed communications. Uh, Then we've also been looking at some of the larger European broadcasters. So we have ITV, but also uh, across Europe, companies like TF1, MCS uh, in France, Actress Media and Media Set in Spain, and NENT in the Scandinavian region. And from me, I've been looking at major players in the online market. So we've had Facebook and Alphabet, the parent company of Google and YouTube, publish their Q1 2020 reports so far. Great. Now, Daniel, many of the groups that you've been looking at, particularly the US groups, have quite varied portfolios. They have lots of different business lines. What are the headline takeaways that you've been seeing from the um, the US market in particular? Yes, I think from, from the US, especially when we're looking at sort of AT&T, the largest telco, and then now uh, Comcast, the largest cable provider, it's sort of a tale of two, two different stories here. From the communication side, I think, is where we can see the positives. So, uh, Broadband growth for, for Comcast actually grew by uh, close to half a million subscribers in the quarter, which is it's a record for them in, in the last 12 years. Uh, they've also seen a boost in their mobile operations as well. Uh, video is still suffering declines as, as um, due to sort of the um, systematic uh, cord cutting we're seeing in the US. But on the other side, the negatives are really being seen from the exposure to the advertising market. So the networks, um, we've had a look at Turner, uh, which was down, uh, but NBC also has suffered um, from their advertising and their broadcasting and their cable uh, TV uh, revenues, though not to the same extent, because in this quarter, at least in the first quarter, NBC was less exposed to, say, the the sports rights cancellations uh, than some of the other networks. But they're very much seeing that going into Q2 and Q3, uh, this advertising losses are going to continue. So to Hannah, I mean, if we we look at Google and Facebook, those are almost entirely 
ad-based businesses, but the impression I've got from the results is that the, their figures have been reasonably positive. What's you know, what's your take on that? What are the numbers that you're seeing? Yeah, so you're right in saying so. Um, Facebook ended the quarter on 17.7 billion. That's total revenue. Um, ad revenue, as you said, making up a large portion of that, 17.4 billion. And that has increased 17% year on year. Alphabet uh, ended the quarter on 41.2 billion total revenue. They broke this down into uh, Google search and other advertising revenue. So that was up 9% year on year, ending the quarter on 24.5 billion. And YouTube saw a huge 33% growth year on year in its ad revenue, ending the quarter on $4 billion. So those, those, I mean, they're pretty impressive numbers for the first quarter. Um, I guess the first couple of months in the year were broadly unaffected for those companies. So what have you been seeing in terms of the, I guess, as, as markets have gone into lockdown March, April, has there been guidance there? And what, where does it leave us for the online ad market for the, for the rest of the year? So if you start with YouTube, they had a growth in viewership. However, the advertising revenue growth had dropped to a year-on-year growth rate in single figures by the end of March. Now, this slowdown in growth was mainly driven by brand advertising campaigns. So similar to the type of advertising on broadcast TV, as media buyers began to cut back, there was sort of an ad decline in ad demand. However, YouTube's direct response advertising continued its strong growth throughout that quarter, uh, providing resilience to the online ad revenue market. And, and if we're looking at the, the full year, um, because I suppose Google and Facebook combined their, what, 70, 80% of the global ad market, um, they, these two businesses are obviously pretty good bellwethers for the direction of the wider industry. Um, what's your sense for where we're going to be based on the very early results for the full year? Exactly. So, uh, yeah, Facebook did echo this trend. They had a strong start to the quarter, but uh, began to feel the effect of COVID-19 in the last three weeks of March. As you said, these two companies make up 80% of the global online advertising revenue. So these results were in line with our revised expectations for growth in the online advertising market for the year. So as the pandemic unfolded, we revisited our online ad revenue projections to just 5% growth year on year, down from the 13% growth we saw in 2019. Um, This obviously remains far higher than our forecasted growth for the TV advertising market at this moment which we've revised down to 11% decline for the year. Interesting. So, Daniel, if we can come back to to the the TV, both the pay TV and the the broadcast market, Um, you've mentioned a couple of different trends so far. One of those was ongoing cord cutting. Um, You touched on AT&T, but also Comcast. Um, Are we seeing... An acceleration of cord cutting? Is it is it stabilising? What's what's your sense? I think over this quarter we're seeing an acceleration. Um, for AT and T, the losses for for Directv were uh, substantial over the last quarter, uh, as were they for Comcast in their cable division. So, I think the combination of um, the economic pressures that households are facing is, is really starting to trickle down. Uh, into to the video section, which typically in the US has been much higher uh, from a cost perspective 
than uh, pay TV operations in, in Europe uh, and in other markets. So you're, you're and, talking about the, the average cost to a consumer, is that, is that right? Yes, the average cost to the con- consumer, which can, you know, in some cases uh, be higher than $100 a month. Uh, so as consumers are reevaluating that, they, especially in the light of the current situation, uh, are, are beginning again to, to, to accelerate that trend away from pay TV for cheaper alternatives. Interesting. And then on, on the other side, you've, you've mentioned the ad business, which um, I mean, Hannah's already given a few pointers as to what we're expecting for the wider TV market globally. And it seems that the US groups are feeling substantial pressure in the first quarter. Um, are they in line with what we're expecting, better or worse? So I think for, for the US um, firms, it, it's been both, actually. For Turner, that was uh, slightly worse than we expected, but NBC showed a little bit of resilience there. But in the guidance that both of those companies are giving, um, we're seeing that's going to accelerate uh, pretty dramatically uh, for Q2. And, and if we sort of turn our attention to European broadcasters, and we've seen some publisher results there, including ITV, we know that the first part of the year, actually, um, they were doing uh, quite well. It was sort of towards the end of March where we started to see advertising pullback uh, drop those advertising numbers. And sort of to follow on from what Hannah was saying from the online market, actually, ITV's online advertising operations were up 26% year on year, whereas their uh, linear advertising was was down 1.5%. So even 1.5% sounds quite quite positive given the circumstances, but I'm, I'm guessing similarly to Google and Facebook, the, the, the trend is very different March, April uh, compared to January, February. It, that's exactly right. So moving into sort of the April figures, and they, and they gave some guidance on this as well, we're seeing over total advertising online and linear down 42%, which takes the year already down 9%. Uh, so we can see that sort of starts trickling for ITV. And and for some of the other major broadcasters, TF1, MC, Satras Media and NET, um, for the first quarter, they were down on, on their linear advertising revenues uh, between 9 and 11%. So yeah, definitely starting to see that impact. What are you seeing in terms of the regional differences? Is a European broadcasters being worse hit than the US counterparts or vice versa? And Hannah, any insights from the online world? For, for, the, for the US, it's slightly uh, hard to say. We've only had um, a couple of results out of, out of the US um, and they're, they're different with, with Turner uh, doing worse than, than say, NBC. Um, for the European broadcasters, um, what can be said is actually some of the, the sort of southern European countries like Spain and Italy, because of the extent of the lockdown, have been slightly harder hit. Um, when we look at their results from, from that decline in advertising revenue. Uh, and as those lockdown measures continue into the next uh, next two quarters and, and until they are eased, I think we'll continue to see that. And um, from an online perspective, both Facebook and Alphabet gave a little bit of detail in terms of the regional breakdowns. So Facebook, uh, they said they reported weakness across all geographies, but um, in terms of ad revenue, uh, they reported a 21% increase in APAC and then a 16% increase in all of the other regions. For Alphabet, they first observed the impact of COVID-19 in APAC in mid-February, but they said they observed a muted effect because of the, the uneven impact of the pandemic across the region. They also observed the impact in EMEA in mid-February as well, but this became more severe in March. And then finally, in the second week of March, the effect was starting to be seen in the US and the other Americas. Um, but both 
companies haven't given an insight into how this will look in April and Q2 as of yet. It's, it's interesting. Um, just on a on a related note, we were looking at the the, the new IMF macroeconomic projections, and very unusually, they're they're actually declining to provide guidance more than a couple of years out now, just because of the uncertainties around here. So, I think that uncertainty from an economic perspective is uh, obviously impacting how confident any businesses are about forecasting performance, even a few quarters, and certainly not a year or so out. So we're going to move on to a slightly different topic now, and that is how some of the broadcasters and production companies have been reacting and coping with lockdown conditions. So while on one hand their ad revenues are being put under intense pressure, um, the production activity in terms of fulfilling lockdown consumer demand for TV and entertainment is also being put under pressure. So Alice, um, You've been investigating how, uh, particularly in the German market, um, commissioners and producers are, are, are coping with this. What, what can you tell us about what's going on in the world of commissioning at the moment? Well, I mean, as we're all uh, very aware, we're facing a, an unprecedented um, worldwide production shutdown at the minute. Um, and so, I mean, it's really a case of necessity being the mother of invention. Um as commissioners have been forced to to get creative, really, when looking for for new content. This has led to a a flurry of um, so-called COVID commissioning. So we're seeing a lot of new formats emerging, which are are adapted to the the current production restrictions. And um, and Germany is an interesting case, really. The UK is leading the way in terms of volume um, of these new newly commissioned COVID formats. But Germany is actually the, the second largest commissioner currently of these formats. And to put that into context, that's actually puts it ahead of the US commissioners in terms of the volume of new new productions that the, the German broadcasters are pushing out. Um, and it's even more remarkable, judging by the fact that almost um, 89% of uh, these new COVID commissions coming from the German broadcasters have actually already been released. So we're looking at commissions going back really to the start of March to the present and uh, almost 89% already released compared to um, similar commissions coming from the UK, for example, which are only at sort of 30% already released. So there's an amazingly quick turnaround on some of these. And who, who's behind these? I presume it's the major broadcasting groups, Prasib and Martial and, and counterparts. Is that is that right? Yeah, and it, it really is the private networks um, in terms of if when we're focusing on these quick turnaround formats. Um, I think in a sense, because they were already at a, a certain advantage. Um, these these sort of quick turnaround and unscripted formats are really um, their kind of their wheelhouse. I mean, that's it's something they've focused on in the past. Um, but obviously, they're in the in the same boat as everyone else in terms of um, having to work around production re- restrictions. The other thing is that the talent is there, so they've got existing relationships with comedians, for example who have been doing kind of self-shot at home um, entertainment formats to accompany people who are looking for new content during lockdown. So you've got, got uh, some comedy shows. Um, what other formats have, have, have the broadcasters been working on? I suppose presumably a lot of lighter entertainment. Um, yeah, it is really a kind of a keeping spirits up um, situation. But um, Germany is interesting because there's been such a variety of these new formats. I mean, in the US and the UK, we're seeing a lot of either documentary commissions around the pandemic alongside entertainment formats, which use kind of video call conferencing uh, software 
um, to feature celebrity guests. But in, in Germany, we're seeing a lot of those as well, but we're also seeing uh, cook-along at home shows, for example, with uh, professional chefs, where the recipe is is um, uploaded online beforehand and um, lockdown viewers can, can cook along with the chef themselves. Um, similarly, fitness shows, but also brain training and, and game shows. And, and these kind of things are, have been particularly important. I know uh, Daniel was mentioning the... Um, the kind of outsized impact which the lack of live sport is going to be having on some of these European territories. Um, so Sky News Deutschland, for example, has commissioned um, uh, four no new shows uh, in the past a couple of months to fill in the gaps in the schedules. So it's got three remotely produced uh, talk shows focused on some of the most popular German sports, so football, handball and tennis, um, looking back kind of on the history of the sport and um, uh, engaging with fans that way. So, yeah, real, real variety. And have, presumably there have been some hits and misses here as well. So I, I guess have they all worked, given the high demand at the moment, or, or are there any notable shows and formats that have, have really flopped? I mean, it, it has been the sort of uh, video call style formats, which haven't really uh, stood the, the, the test of, you know, being on air longer than a couple of episodes, uh, which is understandable, really. I mean, if people are working from home during lockdown, the last thing I imagine they want to do when they, when they get their, their off time is to sit in front of the TV and watch someone else's video calls. But yeah, so those ha haven't done so well. But that was sort of a, a early stage commissioning, really. Now we're seeing a lot of those um, kind of cooking shows and the, and the fitness formats are really kind of taken off um, and actually have a lot of potential to run even after lockdown measures are lifted. They're also another positive, of course, is that they're very affordable and so that they could really be quite a boon to um, increasingly tight budgets in the future. Um, I know Prozeben, for example, have already um, announced that they're, they're looking to cut their spend on programming by 50 million euros for the coming year, simply because of, the, you know, to cope with the impact of the pandemic. So uh, would you say that Germany is perhaps a model for other European broadcasters or even broadcasters beyond? Or are there any lessons that you would recommend commercial or public broadcasters take from um, the German market? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I definitely say that Germany is a really interesting test case for other European markets that perhaps haven't been able to respond as quickly to the pandemic in terms of creating new content to, to fill the gaps in the schedules. Those shows that have worked, as I've said, the, the fitness and the, and the cook along at home shows and that sort of thing, um, they're real examples of, of formats that will, will have some, you know, pretty good shelf life. Um, and otherwise, we're also even seeing, you know, scripted shows which have been turned around in remarkably quick time. Um, there, it's the it's the public broadcasters which deserve a mention because um, they've been sort of creating scripted shows on in a very um, short time period. A couple of lockdown comedies um, taking in the sort of trials and tribulations of couples who are who are stuck together in the, in their small flats in Berlin and so on. So I think it's definitely it's it's a it's a territory to watch for for producers and commissioners in terms of um, finding content which can which can see out lockdown. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Alice. That's fascinating stuff. So it seems like producers and commissioners should be looking to the German market to help understand what sorts of formats might work for their audiences domestically too. That brings this episode of the AMP podcast to a close. I hope that's been of interest. Stay tuned and join us next week for more updates on what's happening in the media world.